welcome to this week's Master Instructor Roundtable with myself, Wendy Batts, and friend and colleague, Marty Miller. Marty, how are you today? Great, Wendy. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well. Thank you. Today's topic, we're going to actually talk about understanding recovery. And I think oftentimes I hear, and I have, I have thought this myself when people started talking about recovery, that it's just taking time off, letting your body kind of settle down from whatever activity you did that may have made yourself sore. But when we go through and we really look at some of the information that's out there, there is a lot of information on different types of recovery and things that you can suggest to your clients, things that you can do yourself. There's a ton of different tools out there. So Marty, that's what we're going to cover today. Yeah, I think this is a critically important topic. We talk about how to load people all the time, but then we have to think about how we want to unload people. And I also think that recovery, there could be other terms you use for it, but think about the beginner who already has a lot of movement dysfunction, muscle tightness, they may need some of these techniques even to initiate the willingness to begin to move in more of a formalized exercise program. So I'm excited for today's topic. Yep. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the importance of recovery, especially if you're in a training regimen, which most people, hopefully if they're following the OPT model, they are in a specific systematic progressive program. Um, but when you think about recovery, it's something that is pivotal, 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 goodness, um, in preventing injuries. If we do too much and we do a lot of repetitive movements over time, we know about compensation patterns. We know things that our body is going to start to adapt to whatever we're doing, whether it's good or bad. And so we want to make sure that we really emphasize the importance of recovery. So therefore we make sure too that our warm up is correct our cool down is correct but then our off days that we're doing different types of recovery and even if it's something that's quick contract contrast baths different things like that we're going to talk about the importance of all of it but then also too when we kind of forget about getting your mind right and i know marty you're you're into yoga you do a lot of that right now um, but I think, too, when we're looking at performance, it really is all inclusive. So that's why we're going to talk about different ways to optimize recovery and maybe integrate new concepts of recovery into your programming. Yeah, at the end of the day, we all work out or do what we're doing to, to be healthier. But if we continue to push and we don't recover, we're actually kind of digging a hole and you're going deeper and deeper. And sleep and nutrition and the recovery techniques are the only things that help you rebuild from that workload that makes you then be able to do more. So without a great recovery program, you're just making it harder on yourself. Absolutely. So let's dive right on in here. Different types of modalities, Marty, you and I know this, and I think it's important to think about two different types of specific recoveries that are out there. You've got the passive, which are your rest days, your sleep, when you're doing nothing to let your body really try to heal itself, whether from the inside out. But then you also, when we're looking at the slide, you've got your passive and then we have your active. And when we talk about active, that sometimes confuses. I know with my clients, when I say we're going to do active recovery or I want you to do active recovery tomorrow before we meet again on the next day or a couple of days from now, they kind of look at me like, I don't even know what that means. And so really trying to emphasize the importance of foam rolling on their own, stretching on their own, maybe going to get a massage and then doing contrast baths. That's something I don't think we really emphasize enough. And I can tell you, I've seen 
what it can do for someone, especially if they've, they've been training really, really hard or they went for a really long run, doing a contrast bath right after can be so beneficial for the body to recover. Um, and it, I think it's one of those things that we don't really talk enough about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and everybody here that's followed us knows that I try today. I couldn't, cause I was traveling. As you can see, I love to do 35, 40 minutes of soft tissue work and some corrective exercise type stretching techniques just every single day, just to kind of get my body reset. So I'm a big fan of the active recovery and I'll do that seven days a week if I can. Yes. He'll do it bright and early too. When I'm on my way to work and I call him and say, okay, let's talk about the week and what we're going to do. <laughs> Exactly. Plan all these wonderful master instructor roundtable topics. Yeah, super early in the morning. But let's talk about recovery itself and what it entails. It's not just rest. And you have to think about when we talk about a fitness journey, it is really about all the components of fitness. So what are you eating? What are you fueling your body for? How much water are you drinking or are you doing, you know, having drinks with electrolytes in it? So what is your hydration like? How much sleep are you getting each and every night? And then over a period of time, I wear fitness devices that tell me how well I slept, how often I moved throughout my night. And then of course, over a week, it'll give me the average. And then I can look at it, you know, daily. I can work at, look at it weekly. I can look at it monthly to try to see if I'm getting more sleep than I had been getting because I've been really trying to focus on that. But then, of course, integrating different active recovery techniques, which we will talk about. And then we're going to think about different practices that, that you can start to really do with your body. So therefore, you can go beyond just taking a day off and doing nothing. It really is looking more of a, having a holistic approach to the way that the body is, the way your mind is repairing the body, the way your, your body's adapting to the different demands you're doing in your workout, but then also when you have the day off and then ways to rejuvenate after your physical activity. I think that's really, really important. And I think another thing, you know, that I can add, cause you've covered everything so well is even mindset, having a positive mindset. We're all facing challenges every single day. When you look at how we uh, kind of focus on those? Are we allowing them to kind of get on into our nerves and allow us to have anxiety and stress? If you look at all the cortisol that gets released, that alone can create, you know, a situation where your body can't recover, right? So maybe that's something, you know, when you and I can put some more research into and come back, but even that do something in the morning to, to create a mental outlook that's more positive and, you know, where you're looking at everything that comes your way is like, okay, I'm strong enough to handle this. I can do this. I've done this before. Staying as best you can on a positive track, I think really does help even the sleep. We've all had those restless nights because we're letting our mind spin out of control. And then voila, now we're not recovered. Yeah. You got to turn the mind off. I don't know how to do that, but that's why we do this. Right. But that's what you're talking to is like, look at the different types of rest. You've got two different rests. You've got the physical rest. We all know that that's allowing the body time to recuperate from the exercise stress that you did. It's, it's a true rest day in your training schedule. But then I think the one that we don't do, and this is where you, what you just said, Marty, mental rest, giving the mind a break from the stressors in life. And I'm telling you, this is really hard to do. It's very hard for me because you know, when you're, when you're out and you're physically moving and you've got the stresses of life and work and kids and what you're going to make for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and trying to find balance, you have got to give yourself time 
to do mindful meditation, different types of mental recovery. And that's very hard. We've done a ton of different podcasts and I've said, I struggle with this, but it's one of those things I really want to emphasize the importance of it because when I do it, I can feel so much more relaxed. I feel my, my heart rate come down, my blood pressure goes down and I, I can handle different situations in a completely different way when you just start your morning off with that. Yeah, I have some other practices I do first thing in the morning with a little bit of reading, four to five minutes worth of stuff that gets my mindset right. But also even little things like even the music you listen to, because sometimes if you get that little bit of a distraction from like a music input or an audible and it's positive information, it can help shut down some of that negative information that you had moving through your head. So I think that that's also another great way to kind of hijack your thoughts and you know, go for a walk, go outside. Yoga has been great for me. I did martial arts for years and they call it the shoe rack theory. Like once you get in there and you take your shoes off and you walk on the mat, it's hard to think about the outside stressors in life because you have bad outcome. You get kicked in the head, right? I joke around with that for martial arts, but even in yoga, the teachers are so dialed in into your breathing, into these movements that you kind of can disconnect from what you may have been carrying in to that. So also, you know, try to set up a place in your house that's kind of your little peaceful corner. And I think that those are the type of things that could help. Yes. Did a podcast on Random Fit about earthing, if anyone cares. And there's a lot of positive stuff about that. Shameless so. plug. I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about nutrition. I know I probably shouldn't be reading this slide, especially of late, but replenishing your nutrients. You really want to have a balanced diet. So you want to look at the macronutrients that you're eating. And it's important to... Do a food log if you don't know, because if you don't know and you're just guessing, you're assuming that you are eating a really good mix or having a good percentage balance of your proteins, carbs, and fats. And when I say balance, it depends on what your balance is, because it's not necessarily an even cut. Most people will eat higher proteins, but then again, it depends on the type of diet you're on or whatever your client is trying to achieve on what is right for them. So you need to be working with a nutritionist or really looking into their different um, different food choices and the types of things they're eating. Vitamins, minerals are always important because you need that to support the muscle and it needs to repair itself, especially after a really hard workout. And you want to obviously replenish your energy stores. But then hydration, Marty, I drink a ton of coffee and that is not proper hydration, but I'm like, well, it's got water in it. That's not what you need to be doing. Think about your body's made up mainly of water. So really trying to find fluid balance, drinking enough water, especially if you're outside and it's in the summers, even, and it's super hot and you're sweating a lot, you're going to lose, you, know, you want to replenish yourself with water and electrolytes. So just be smart and make sure you're drinking more water um, than you think you need. And, it really will help your body recover from everything that you're doing. Yeah. And with the water, again, trying to force myself into habits, you know, and or change behavior to become a habit is I definitely did this. I think more so during COVID because I was home. Um, I have a bottle of water that I put in the fridge the night before with some vitamins and minerals and things like that. And now as I walk into the kitchen to, you know, grab that before I do anything else, I won't drink coffee until after I've done my hydration and my mobility because you're starting the day off dehydrated. So now I've gotten that great habit and, you know, I'm, it's now I don't even have to think about it. I know that I'm going to do that. So it's just creating a new pattern and 
I now feel my body when I'm dehydrated instead of accepting. Like, I think most people walk around dehydrated all the time. I, I don't feel good, but now it's a trigger. I know exactly. So I'm always usually staying ahead of my hydration. With my coffee. <laughs> uh, again, I probably should not be reading this, but I'm working on this quality of sleep, getting sufficient. Okay? I'm just going to start saying this again, getting sufficient, uninterrupted. Yeah. Lucky me, right? Sleep that allows the body to repair tissues, regulate hormones and consolidate learning from training sessions. Here's the problem that I think a lot of people have. If you have a significant other that snores, then you're up and you're constantly elbowing or hitting or something like that. So that is also an issue that sometimes we can't control. And that's when you'll move into another room or something because you need to get really good sleep. You need to look at trying to get seven to eight hours of sleep. If you're younger, you need even what was it up to 10 hours when you're younger. And that's when when kids are growing, they need to sleep more. But then again, you're going to notice as you get older, it's harder and harder to sleep. And so trying to get yourself in a good cycle and a good rhythm or looking at sleep hygiene, you've got to start these habits early and you've got to start them now. Because if you have a schedule and you stick to that schedule at 10 o'clock, you're going to bed and at four or five in the morning, you're waking up. I think that's maybe a good schedule for you or something that's going to work within your schedule. That may be super early for some people, especially if you're not a morning person. So you want to go to bed later, but really try to look at the balance of how much sleep are you getting? And then how many times do you wake up? If you drink a lot of water before you go to bed, are you getting up to use the restroom? You've got to think about that, but then also too your caffeine intake, anything that's going to keep you awake and not allow your brain to shut down and go to sleep. So really kind of looking at everything and trying to balance that out. It's super difficult to do. I am telling you, if you are a troubled sleeper, <laughs> I, I feel your pain. But I'm, if you really start to work on it, I'm telling you that scheduling really makes a huge difference. Yeah, great points, Wendy. And for those of you just joining us today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, I'm Marty Miller here with Wendy Batts. And we are talking all things recovery or understanding recovery. So we've gone through a lot of great stuff, going to continue to push through. But with the sleep hygiene, I think what's important too is I'm a good sleeper, you know, most nights. But what I've noticed the little bit that helps me get past the 5 a.m. if I want to is that real dark environment. You know, once I get a little bit of light coming through, I'm up, I'm ready to go. I feel great. But if I need that extra bit, some of those blackout curtains and little things like that make a big difference. And it's actually better to sleep in a colder environment, like around 65 degrees. So save that money so you can spend on the AC at nighttime if you want to sleep. Uh, but that works for most people. So Research great stuff. Shows 67 degrees is where your brain is at a good place at night. So mm -hmm. if you're going 65, Marty, even better, but 67 should be the highest it should be when your body is trying to recover and you're trying to get your brain to do what it needs to do. Yeah. And then I can jump in here. We talked at the very beginning or you did a great job talking about active recovery, right? Not just taking a day off, still moving your body to facilitate even faster recovery. So we all know foam rolling, there's vibrating foam rolling, there's just standard foam rolling. We know how many different types of foam rollers there are, but this is, you know, getting that pressure into the specific muscles, releasing the muscles that tend to be holding tension or overactive and definitely increases blood circulation. You just feel better afterwards, that freedom of movement. Then different stretching, like, right, if you know your corrective exercise or your OPT model, 
the one that really is going to work well after your foam rolling and soft tissue work is your static stretching, resetting postures from muscles that might be overactive and tight from sleeping or from what you did the days before, even if you did a good warm up and cool down in that workout, you know, you can get into dynamic uh, flexibility as well. So again, we have that covered in the OPT model with the flexibility continuum and it can definitely without a doubt help promote relaxation. I don't mind doing some extra stretching right before I go to bed. Again, it's a mindset, get away from the screens and do that. And then without a doubt, a massage, I can get the deepest massage in the world on my back and I fall asleep. And everyone's like, how did you, I'm like, you could be driving your elbow through my spine and I'll be like, I'm out. It works for me. Massage definitely helps relax me and without a doubt helps the recovery process. So these are those active recovery techniques that you can do every single day on the days you're not working out, or they can be part of your routine, the days you are working out. But I highly recommend trying to put these three in frequently throughout the week. Absolutely. I would love to be able to get a massage every day, but, <laughs> and this is actually a continuation of the active recovery. And I mentioned this in the very beginning is contrast therapy. I don't, I honestly believe that people don't do this enough. And in, you know, when we talk about the, the hot and cold treatments, what it's going to do is help reduce the inflammation. It's going to increase circulation. And so if somebody had a really hard workout or they're super sore, or if they have been doing a lot back to back because of scheduling, or if they're in multiple sports, you can easily do a cold bath by just getting in your bathtub and throwing a whole bunch of ice in there. But I always tell people do the ice, let it set for 30 minutes and then get in it. And then if you have the option, if you have two bathrooms, you go into the cold tub and you sit there, you let your body do it, you freeze, you get out, you have a hot shower running and you go back and forth. And so it's not like you're taking time to take the water out and you want to do it like two or three different times. And that's where you're really going to get the most benefit. So it doesn't have to be a hot tub. It doesn't have to be anything like that. You don't have to go anywhere. You can do this in the comfort of your home, but you need that cold to be really cold. It's not just, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of frigid. It's got to be really cold and you've got to be okay with going back and forth. And so if I do this, we set the tub and then I will say, okay, and I'll set a timer on my husband's phone to start the water. So I don't leave just water running. And then right three minutes before I'm getting ready to go from the tub to the shower, I've got the shower as hot as I can stand it. And then I go back and forth. And so that's a way to reduce and be more environmental friendly. But it's something that, especially if you're super sore, is super beneficial. Um, and then, of course, the low intensity exercises. So just light exercising. If you're super sore, if your clients are super sore, tell them to go for a walk, get them moving, mm -hmm. maybe even repeat some of the things that they did in their workout that made them sore. If it was a new type of movement that their body wasn't used to, you can be more like Marty and start to integrate more yoga, but you can go swimming. If you have an indoor pool, if it's cold out, or if you have an outdoor pool or you live in Florida and you can go anytime during the year and swim, but all of that is going to help release the stress within your body, get the joints movement or moving, because as Marty and I always say, movement is medicine. So doing something is super important. No, without a doubt. I, I love all these. Um, the cold therapy is something I've been using more. My health club has the cold plunge and it's you got to work on your breathing. I can tell you that much for sure. And right next yeah. to it, they have the saunas and steam room. So it's good stuff. But <laughs> science backs it up with the cold shock proteins. But Oof, it's not my favorite, but I'm, I'm going to keep working on it. It's no one's favorite. <laughs> no. 
And then some of the other, you know, as we talked about the mindset thing, so the psychological recovery is stress management. Everybody's going to have stress in life every single day. There's going to be different levels of stress, having some type of system, um, whether it's deep breathing, whether it's meditation, visualization, hobbies that, as we talked about, help kind of put that away for now, help manage that stress level. It's critical that we handle stress well. And then the mindfulness and relaxation, we've talked about it a couple of times already. Find something that helps get that mental awareness helps you focus on your mindset, helps you kind of relax, decrease those stress hormones like cortisol. You know, I think most people I talk to know well, we all face some level of anxiety, you know, could be daily, could be, you know, periodically, but anxiety can kind of stick in there and really throw you off uh, your goals and your missions. And I know sometimes when I have high anxiety, I don't even want to work out, but I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, that's what's going to help me get back on track. You know, the positive mindset, I have my little readings I do in the morning, some other things like that, because the world will keep coming at you, but we have to find those uh, things. Don't wait for them, have them in place before the stressors come up. So that way it just becomes easier to handle the stressors as they do arise. Absolutely. So some prevention strategies that you can do with your clients, if you're not already Guys, it's important to talk to your clients, offer them different ways of guiding them through their journey because you are pretty much crushing them in the gym, doing whatever it is. Even a phase one workout, we know at a 421 tempo, it's super, super difficult. So, you know, we're always going to be working on proper form. We're going to be working on that progressive training. We're listening to the body. We're making sure that they remain in the five kinetic chain checkpoints. We're really trying to look at form and movement. However, once they leave the gym, now that they're on their own. And so I think it's also important, too, to talk about doing things on their own, like the foam rolling programs and the different things that you're going to see on the screen. So when you're looking at that, too, the active recovery stuff, it doesn't have to be anything other than rolling and stretching and giving them some type of homework to do. You have to make them part of their fitness journey. It can't just always be that they're focused on it with the one hour that they're in there to see you that day or however many times a week. And it's important to bust the myth of no pain, no gain, because we, we grew up on that. Marty, you and I did. You have to go into the gym and you have to 100% give your all every single time. And if you're not sore the next day, it was not a good workout. And we know based on research, based on what we've read, that is definitely not the way that the body should be responding to the workout that you're putting on it, unless you're doing some kind of power and you're doing a max power and you are trying to get to that level. But most of us aren't there. So it's really important to think about the programming that you're designing for your client, talking to them about doing active recovery on their own, and then finding that balance and the balance of all of it, the nutrition, the sleep, the mindfulness, the 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 workout itself. And if you can really get them to understand and become more like involved in their, in their life, because you're trying to help them. But if they start to get the light bulb, like, okay, this is all making sense. And this is how I can do it. People don't know how to do it. So they don't do it, but it's our job to really make sure that these strategies get integrated into their life somehow. And that they, they are really excited about trying to try some of these new things. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're only going to make progress if your body's recovered. So all the things we're talking about are critical, but that overtraining or training at higher intensities without the recovery, which there's so many different areas that we can focus on, you're going to see some progress, but you will not maximize the progress you'll see if you're fully recovered and putting all these strategies into play. 
So some key takeaways. I think we know that recovery is going to be important, right? But it, it encompasses a wide range of practices that go beyond more just, hey, today's a day off. I'm not going to the gym. I'm going to sit on the couch. Recovery involves that holistic approach, which I've done a lot better at recently myself, including things like yoga. I have an acupressure mat. You know, I'm trying to get into, you know, the other areas as well. And it nurtures the body and the mind to repair. So sleep, all of those things are key and rejuvenate when you're done with physical activity. But we could also put in there just recovering from the stresses of life, right? Because all those mental stresses. And then you've got to have some type of plan for both passive and active recovery. One by itself is not going to be enough. They have to be integrated both. And then that way the clients can avoid overtraining and truly maximize the science that you're putting into their workouts. Indeed. Well, Marty, this was fun. And I love, I love talking all things recovery. As you guys know, I, I'm a huge advocate for the assessments of finding out what muscles are overactive and really looking at that in a programming side. But I think taking a step back and really looking at recovery as a whole is something that that we all, especially as trainers, sometimes need to get better at even taking care of ourselves. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast for sure. But if you have questions about anything, you can always email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. Yeah. Feel free uh, to reach out to me at any time. My uh, Instagram right here, dr.martymiller72 and then email marty.miller at nasm.org. So Wendy, thanks for really diving into this topic. This is one of the ones that you uh, put a lot of work into. Great. I know that you had questions about this. So I hopefully we covered all of the key points uh, for all of you that joined us today. Thank you. Feel free to reach out. And of course, we can't wait to see you next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable.